There's me. Um, tonight's readings comes from Matthew 29, uh, 23, verses 9 to 12. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humbled themselves will be exalted. Second reading comes from Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 16. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to, to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. This Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Next reading, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Praise to be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. It's always better when we're together mm, We're somewhere in between together Well, it's always better when we're together Hello? Nothing like a bit of Jack Johnson to start the church service off? Better together? That's the theme, uh, friends, better together. I believe it's actually God's plan and design. It's his, God's design for the church is that we be together. And that we are, in fact, better together. If you seek to live the Christian life as a solo effort out there, just somehow serving and worshipping God, which we need to do through our daily life experience, I understand that. But if we fail to understand that we need to be together, we need to come together to build each other up, to encourage one another, to serve one another, to use our gifts together, to together do mission together and love one another we are better together. In fact, when Jesus was on earth, he was praying for his disciples that they would understand uh, his desire for the nature of their relationship. So in John 17, 21, he's praying for his disciples and he says, I pray that they may be one, just as you and I are one. Now, Jesus and the Father had perfect relationships. A perfect relationship. It was total harmony. God's desire. Therefore, Jesus' prayer over this church here this evening, Jesus' prayer is that we be one. And to what extent? To the same way as Jesus and his Father were one. So over about 12 weeks, uh, starting off within February, then another couple of slices of chunks throughout the year, 
we're going to look at this idea of what does it mean to be connected to each other? What does it mean to be deeply in the community with one another? What does it mean to have fellowship? What does it mean to be gathered around the presence of God, to worship God together, to serve God together, to love God together, to love each other together? So in February, we're starting off with some foundation stones. So in February, we're going to be looking at four themes. One father, that's tonight. One father, one faith, one family and one future. One father, one faith, one family and one future. If we understand that, we will understand the nature of the foundation of our connection to each other. Heavenly Father, uh, we just pray that as we look at your holy word, as we examine these three scriptures that Sam read for us, uh, that as we open the word of God, that we'd open our lives. We pray, dear God, that there would be a a transformation going on within this community for deeper connection, a deeper connection to you and a deeper connection to each other. Because in the end, Lord, Jesus just said we are to love God and to love other people. And that was the total summation of the will of God for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Always come back to that scripture, by the way. Always come back to when Jesus was asked what was the greatest commandment. Let your whole thinking and framework of thinking always come back to that question of loving God with everything that we are and loving our neighbour as ourselves. So first of all, three points tonight. Uh, One father. One father. You know, I'm not sure if you, you... Here you are sitting in a church of Christ. Do you know anything about the history of the churches of Christ? I'm just wondering, okay, what does it mean to be in the church of Christ? What's that? People might say to you, what church do you go to? And I say, I go to the Epping Church of Christ. They go, what's that? And you go, hmm, excellent question. Not quite sure. I just like it the way that it is or, you know, it could do with some improvement, whatever that might mean. Friends, get on the website. Get onto the website, our church website. There's a bit of history there. But I want to tell you just a couple of things about how our movement came. We came out of a revival. First of all, there's a couple of great revivals of the Holy Spirit that have happened in history. One of the things called a second awakening. Our movement was birthed out of a Holy Ghost Bible preaching revival, right? And part of what happened there is that everybody realised that they were just all children of God. That the denominations had chopped up the family of God into positions where they were arguing with each other. They were disagreeing with this and they realised that if the church was going to do anything, it needed to realise that it was essentially one. Essentially one. And so the Churches of Christ is primarily a unity movement to recognise that we're not the only Christians. We're Christians only. We're not the only Christians. We're Christians only. And so there are Christians all around the place. So we're Christians here. Uh, The Presbyterians, they love Jesus. Uh, The Baptists down on the corner, they love Jesus. As you go down to the Alliance Church on your left-hand side, as you go towards Carlingford, they love Jesus. On the right-hand side is a little Brethren Chapel. They love Jesus. As you go up the hill, there's the Uniting Church. They love Jesus. When God looks down from heaven, what does he see? We've divided ourselves up into bits and pieces and we've labelled ourselves and, oh, don't like them, do like that, you know. And what happens is we've created divisions. When God looks down from heaven, all he sees is family. 
When he sees believers, all he sees is children, children of the living God. He doesn't look down and go, oh, there's the church of Christ. They're really blessed. You know, he certainly doesn't. He goes like, they're the tiniest little group of people in the entire planet. What are they on about? You know, we're just Christians and we need to understand that. So this, this, here's, here's a bit of a clue. If people, start, if, they come, if people come to you and say that their brand of religion is the only religion that there is and that there's no salvation outside their movement, that's the mark of a cult. The mark of a cult is when people start to say, outside of our little group, there is no salvation. So we say, we're not the only Christians, we're just Christians only. They say, we are the only Christians. And you need to become one of us. That is the sign of a cult. If you ever start talking to a group of people uh, that think that and believe that, you need to be wary that that is a dangerous group of people. So... Couple of the, another phrase that defines us and helps us find our, our anchoring as a movement is that in the essentials, there is in essentials unity, in non-essentials, in all the things that Christians like to squabble about, liberty, but in all things charity. And that's a real old school word for love. That's a real old school word for love. In essentials, there's essentials that make us Christians, that all Christians throughout the world have that. In essentials, we are unified. In non-essentials, where there's various opinions, we understand there should be some liberty and some grace, but in all things, we should have charity. And so when God looks down, we need to understand there's one Father in heaven of all believers globally. And when we see churches doing things differently, and we think, oh, that's a bit kooky. Or wow, I don't like that much. That's not my cup of tea. It doesn't have to be your cup of tea. Just know this, God loves them. And if they've got a relationship with him through Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, they're believers. You know, this is what I think. I think division amongst Christians is the design of the devil to weaken the church and impede the mission of Christ on earth. Did you catch that? Here it is again. Division amongst Christians is the design of the devil to weaken the church and impede the mission of Christ on earth. Now, Christians are naturally hesitant to want to get together and support one another. We, I belong to a minister's fraternal, and there are about 17 Christian churches in our little you know, alcove that we call Epping Beecroft, uh, North Epping area, about 17 churches. You know, I need to tell you that... Um, the lead pastors in those churches, they, uh, we get together on one Thursday, once a month, for one hour. Four o'clock, Beecroft Cafe, for one hour. It's not a big commitment. And on a good day, we will get a quarter. I think last time we met, we had like a world record of how many pastors turned up. Six turned up. It was like... Us that have been going for about 12 years, we're, oh, oh, there's more than two or three are gathered in his name. Surely Jesus must be present, especially present today because there were some people there. There were some more people there. Getting Christians together is like herding cats. It's an incredibly difficult thing to do because we'd rather stay in our little places. And I want to tell you this, that some of the brothers that have been involved in that, that group, some of them have been suffering terribly. 
Their ministries have been going through really hard times, really hard times. I'm talking about they're not going to be at the next meeting because they're on the verge of resigning. Yeah. And so what happens is we gather together. How can we love one another? How can we pray for one another? How can we support one another if we're not getting together? We're better together. The ministries of the combined churches here, we're better together. We should be speaking. That's a safe place. Ministers can come there and say they've got a lunkhead congregation. Of course, I would never say that because, you know, we've got the beautiful congregation here. They can go there and they can say their elders or their board are just driving them mental. You can't say that at church. You can't get up here and say, my elders are just driving me crazy. I'm going to knock someone. You can't do that. But you can do that at a minister's meeting, but they don't come. They don't understand that we're better together. And I tell you what, we need to be getting that. We need that. We need a collective thing. You've got to be praying through that spirit that's on that group. And you've got to be, you know, we've got to be better together. We've got to realise we need each other. You are needed every single week. Do not think that your presence together, Sunday worship, oughtn't be optional. If you have not got anything else on that's like cataclysmically important, you need to be in church because you come to serve one another. Why do you come to church? You need to come to, ser- you need to, come to church to build one another up in the Lord and encourage each other on, as uh, Hebrews 10 says, and spur one another on to love and good works. That's why we come here, to, to encourage each other, to build into each other's lives and, of course, to worship God. But we need each other and you are needed. Please don't ever see that you're gathering together Together with other believers is an optional thing. Let's get to the Bible. Open it up in Matthew 23. Grab your device. Look it up. I'm going to be reading from verse 8 to refresh our minds. This is about exalting God and not exalting humans into a position where they usurp the position and power of God. This is what this passage is about. It's about exalting God and honouring God in his rightful place. One Father in heaven. People aren't to be exalted up toward God's stuff. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have got one teacher. Uh, You are all brothers. And do not call anyone on earth father, for you have one Father who is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, because you have got one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. That's the point that he's making. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so we need to understand that all believers are under the supreme, glorious, wonderful, worthy God. And we are gathering together. We are his uh, servants and we are to serve one another. I've done a lot of RE teaching when I did youth work forever and a day. Did a lot of going into high schools. You know, one, one church I was in, I think I was in about six schools a week. And so uh, I was at Manly Boys High School. Um, Obviously, that would be in Manly. It's actually in Kirkall or Brookvale, but who cares? Manly Boys High. And, you know, we were there, interdenominational scripture, people from different movements, people from different denominations. And there was one guy there, and he represented a particular denomination. 
And the people referred to him in a way that made me very uncomfortable with the title that he put upon himself. But when the kids saw him in the playground, because they knew him from Sunday, they would run up and he had this giant gargantuan fancy looking pinky ring, right? Uh, I wear my friendship ring from when Shelley and I were 18. We went out, that one there's silver. It's worth about $5. That's my wedding ring and that's what we got from down the rocks when we were just going out when she was in high school. So that's my wedding ring. It's not very fancy. This guy had a big fancy thing, big like, wow, bling. He had bling to burn, you know, it was a big bling ring. And uh, the kids would come up and do you know what? I'm thinking, oh, this is cool, the kid's coming up. He would hold his hand out like that and the kids would grab the hand and kiss the ring. And then he would bless them and they would trot back off. I'm going, wow, wow, what kind of a view of Christian leadership is this? This is not the kind of thing. Uh, We've got to be very careful. I tell you what, the church needs to be very careful. Um, Things can go very wrong in a church when people start. You think about what's happened in the world with churches and leaders. Things can go very wrong in a church when people start clamouring for titles position, power and prestige. When people desire those things, and I'm not just talking about people who are on the paid, when anyone in a church aspires to those things for their own means, clamouring for a title or a position or power or prestige, things go very wrong. Uh, Revelation 4.11 reminds us, hey, look, there's only one God. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. You know, in our movement, I'm known as a pastor. That's a verb. So if I went back to selling real estate, I wouldn't be a pastor, would I? Because it's a verb. I just, it's a shepherd. My job is to recognise there's one God. My job is to feed God's sheep, shepherd, look after them, tend God's people. You know, try to oversee the fact that there should be lambs being born, sheep being fed, shepherds being raised. That's my job. Uh, but I'm, I'm a servant leader. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve God and I'm here to serve the church. Even when I'm involved in leadership, I'm serving you right now by sharing with you some insights from the scripture about how we should be transformed as a community. And so that's the nature. I love the churches of Christ like that. So what have we got? We've got one father who is in heaven and he is the exalted father and we're not to be clamoring for positions. So we need to esteem God. We need to put God in his rightful place. He is the one father of all believers globally. The second point I want to make is the father of all believers and believers only. He is the father of all believers and believers only. You will hear this phrase, oh, but we're all children of God, referring to everybody that draws breath. Ever heard that? Everyone's, somebody might say, hey, look, on earth, look, all these people, we're all children of God, right? We're all children of God, right? That's not what the Bible says. That's actually unbiblical thinking. It's kind of nice thought. But it's an untrue thought. That's not what Scripture says. The only people referred to as the distinct children of God are people that have come to God the Father through God the Son and put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. In the book of Acts, Paul is preaching evangelistically and in Acts chapter 17, 
uh, he's speaking to a group of philosophical thinkers and he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. Well, that's what I've just been talking about. He doesn't live in temples made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself, he gives all people life and breath and everything else. So we are creatures of God. He gives us life and breath and everything else. For in him, we live and move and have our being, as some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, being his offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by human skill and imagination. Being creatures of God in the scripture does not equate with being children of God. Creatures of God doesn't equate with the scriptural idea of creatures of God. Flip over to Romans. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 14, in fact, 17, which you don't have, but you might have it on your phone. Okay. Now, you've got a comprehension test coming up. I'm going to give you 20 seconds at the end of the reading, and we're going to have a feedback session, right? Okay. That's going to happen. So you've got to get ready. The question is this. What are the marks of a child of God, according to this passage? What are the marks or the descriptors of a child of God? I'm going to read it for you. Go through it. Think, there's one, there's another one. And, of course, the great thing is to go first because then you'll be really seen to be smart and everyone else will be after clamouring for the second or third option in their mind. Are you with me? We're in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse 14. I'm reading from the NIV. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather than the Spirit you received uh, brought about your adoption to sonship or daughterhood. And in Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And also verse 17. Now, if we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share his sufferings in order that we may also share his glory. Got it? Okay. Having a look? Got your eyes on your phones or wherever it is. If you haven't got a Bible up on your phone, you need to get a few. They're free. Okay. What do we got? Give me some descriptors. Give me the marks of a child of God. First in, first. What is it? Give me one. Put your hand up and then yell it out. Yes. Led by the Spirit. Spirit, A mark of the child of God. You see, got to get in fast, Sam. See, you just took the first one straight up. Next one. Give me another one. They are free. Okay, it's the spirit of freedom, not a spirit of slavery. Very good. Another one. There are a few more. Co-heirs with Christ. Yes. Now it's getting tricky. Give me more. Give me more. Without fear. Without fear because, oh, okay. Without fear. fear we, we have that because we're in a relationship with God. Another one. Anything else? Yeah. yeah no, you jumped in with that. Your hand up. Yeah, go at the front. No, Sam, be quiet. Luke's trying to talk. Yep. Sam, what were you going to say? Very good. Or daughterhood. Being children of God. Anybody else out there? We have any more takers? That's it. All done. Jonah? 
receivers of the Spirit. It's things led by the Spirit, receive the Spirit, adopted sons and daughters who cry Abba, which is a personal sort of phrase that means Father God. It's, it's like rather than just God, it's like Father. This is this personal attribution that we give to God. He's, he's, not, he's more than a noble life force. God is not some cosmic life force that we all go out in a nature and go, Ooh, I sense Mother Nature. I sense a spirit moving amongst the trees. It's a personal relationship we have. Did you like that? People are laughing at me. You thought it was good? Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, personal relationship with God through the, as, as our Father, so that we, we relate to God as Father. Because Jesus said to pray, the disciples said, Lord, how do we pray? And he said, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. That's the way that Jesus wants us to relate to God. That's the image that we're meant to have in our mind. Yes, and we're heirs and co-heirs with Christ. And so that's, how, that's what a believer is. A person has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit, that's been adopted into God's family, that has Abba Father as their Father in heaven. They are heirs with Christ, co-heirs, in fact, with heaven. And how does that happen? Friends, it happens this way. If you read on in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says this, this is how a person gets saved. This is how a person gets born again. This is how a person becomes a child of God. If you declare with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there's an inward transformation and an outward expression. An inward transformation and an outward expression. You see, we're better together. Because we've got an Abba Father as the head of our family. And we're better together. Point three is for we will all spend eternity together with our one Father in heaven. Now we're jumping over to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. This is a compact little passage. Got heaps of stuff to dig out. We're just going to run through it pretty quick. 1 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 to 5. And we're talking about here is, this is our eternity with God. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the, the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so we praise God our Father. We have this prospect of spending eternity with him because mercy has been given to us. There's a living hope because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. There's an eternal inheritance that cannot perish, uh, spoil or fade. And we're shielded by faith until that happens in our experience. And so the great news is, friends, I want to tell you, there is an inheritance laid up for you and you can't stuff it up. You can't mismanage 
mismanage it. You can't grab a hold of it and do anything with it now because God has got an inheritance for you. You're going to live with God forever if you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when we said farewell to Ron Wakeley here uh, this week in a, a service, he'd been serving Jesus for 78 years. He believed in Jesus and he was baptised into Christ when he was age 14. And he followed Jesus right through to age 92. What do you think about that? And then he knew that and then he just pressed in and now he enjoys his inheritance. It's been laid aside there for him. What an amazing thing that is. So friends, we're better together because we've got one father, right? One father. One father who is unchallengeable in his position and power and glory. We are better together because we have been adopted from being sinners and made into the children of God. And we are better together because together we've got a, an inheritance laid up for us. And that comes when, when we go to be with God. When either Jesus returns or when our life is taken. And you can be, you can be young. Our family is devastated because my nephew's best friend died tragically on Australia Day at a poolside accident. Epping Boys High, ex-student. We're devastated. The whole family all came down on us on Australia Day. Poolside accident. 35 of his friends watched him die by the pool. He was 21. Just think, he was fit and healthy. 98 ATAR. Champion soccer player. Peer leader. Alpha male. Beautiful human being. Being young is no guarantee that you won't have to face your maker. Are you ready to meet your maker? Have you got faith in Jesus? Can you call God Father? Have you asked Christ into your life? You need to do that. You need to be absolutely certain that if you live, you live for him now, or if you died, you'll be with him. Do you know that's the case? Being young is no guarantee that you're going to live on and on and on to 92. Can have your life just taken away from you in an accident, just like that. Jesus' prayer, of course, is that we be one as he and the Father is one. You know, we're better together. We are better together because we've got one Father and he is the reason why we are better together. All right, what's the next thing on the program? Something I'm sure. What's happening? Who can tell me something? Josh Tan's heading for the platform. Are we going to stand in anticipation to do some more singing? Okay, why don't you stand and I'll pray as we do that. Heavenly Father, we just ask, dear God, as we grapple with this, this concept that we're better together, uh, we pray, Lord, that you would be blessing us, helping us to get an understanding of that, what our connection points are to each other. And uh, Lord, we're just so grateful. What an honour is to be able to just call you a heavenly Father and to be walking straight into your presence tonight by faith and by the blood of Jesus and just praising you as you richly deserve. Thank you to God that you've called us to be together because we certainly are better together. Amen.